and welcome to Juggling Podcast number... 31. Uh, we're recording this live in Greece. My name is Luke Boich and I'm a juggler. This is... Paula Brentler. I'm an artist. Paula's an artist. A real artist. A real artist. Yeah, uh, here it is, the new Juggling Podcast. Actually, I think it's going to be released about one week since the last one. The last one was the conversation that I recorded with Joost at the EJC about body movement sciences. If you didn't catch that one, go back and listen. Had lots of really good response from that. Lots of people said it's very interesting and entertaining. Yeah, I can't believe that I wa- wa- wasn't on the on the Jubilee podcast that you did it without me. What, number 30? Yeah, I wanted to have something really, really, really special. Not that it wasn't special, I don't know, I didn't listen to it, but I can't believe that. Okay, well don't worry, this is actually now 31, podcast number 31. This is now the third season of podcasts, because I remember talking in number 20 that podcast seasons were 10 podcasts long. Wow. So there we go. Anyway, let's uh, let's catch up on some news, actually, because I didn't say any news in last week's podcast, and people are saying, hey, what's, gonna, what's happening? And uh, so the last time we recorded the podcast was actually... In Greece. We were in Greece back then, but we're, we haven't been in Greece all this time. Paula, uh, tell us what happened when we left Greece. Uh, we went to Landsberg, to yeah. the festival in Landsberg, and it was good fun. Nothing yeah. very special, just a really, really nice festival yeah it was a street show festival we did street shows there <laughs> the strange thing was actually we turned up in the in the camping place and um and we saw this huge dog a huge great dane and we we're like wow that's a big Having dog its own tent yeah a great dane with its own tent and then um someone else had a, a, a great dane dog as well and it turns out that we actually turned up and were camping in the same place as the european great dane dog championships or something like that so there was was it 170 or something no. 270. 270 Great Danes um, within about 200 metres of us at one point. But uh, we didn't really see a lot, a lot of... of proud owners. Yeah. Also at Lensburg, we found um, um, some good jugglers as well because there was a special uh, act that we saw in the programme and it was called The Three Jugglers. And I and said, we wow. pissing ourselves about the title. Because it was such a bad name, The Three Jugglers. And then we turned out that The Three Jugglers were actually... Marcus Fertner, Thomas Dietz, and Stefan Zimmerman. And yeah, they were, it was meant to be the three jugglers, as in the three tenors, um, and each played their part. Which jongleur. Is, jongleur. jongleur. Like and that was the idea, which is a bit strange now. I don't know what they're going to do with that act now that um, Pavarotti died today, didn't he? Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, we, I never even thought of that who now. Who was it? Well, I can't remember Obviously. who played Plavrotti, but the other the idea was that the three they were meant to be the three uh, best jugglers in the world, and actually they pretty much are uh, in a, in some ways, aren't they? Because Thomas is very much one of the best jugglers in the world. Uh, Marcus Fertner definitely one of the best uh, devil stickers in the world, and Stefan Zimmerman, well, not the best diabolist in the world. He's one of the only people I've ever seen um, run on stage very easily four diabolos, and he does two low diabolos in one hand and two low diabolos in the other hand, and it is amazing to see. And the crowd really goes for that kind of thing. Um, so that was quite interesting to see them just pretty much do technical juggling as a street show. And also people have actually emailed saying, hey, tell us about street shows and more about that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll get to some of those emails we later on. We had a request for a live show from a street show. Yeah, like a live report from one of our street shows. Which Maybe. It's strange. When we do a street show, we can't do a live report yeah, from it. Yeah, I can't hold the microphone and, and build a crowd at the same time. So that was quite interesting. And there was a competition, but we didn't win. Um because, well, we came third there last year. I don't think we'll have got uh, with another... With the same show. With the same show, yeah. So if we go back there next year, we'll have to come to a different show. And then after that, um, we went up to Hamburg, and we did a, a variety show in Hamburg, Midnight Variety there. And then uh, another street show, not a street show festival as such, but like a, uh, 
Um, a book street show. Yeah, like a book street show, two street shows. And we did it in the Harfen City, uh, in the harbour, of course. And uh, it's very, very windy. Probably one of the windiest street shows I've ever done. We even <laughs> tied the easel down, because we do painting and juggling in the same show. And we tied the easel down to this big sound system. And even the sound system blew over. And I think it took, what was it, like seven attempts or something to get the six clubs at the end? Oh, no, I took a few attempts at and the five club back. And fell over. Yeah, during, during, oh, it was, it was very, very windy. But we got through it and... Uh, um, yeah, it was it was we a had good a lot show. Of fun and people afterwards came to us and said it was amazing what you made out of that show. Yeah. And we said, yeah, sorry, it was a bit windy. No, no, actually, that made the show. Like how you dealt with it. They yeah, really it's it. strange thing is the because we did two street shows. The first one it was windy and my diabolo was going all over the place. And the second show that I did, um, I did uh, like the diabolo without any drops at all. And then I got to the end and I was started saying the lines about how windy it was and how much I dropped, like I did in the first show. And then I was, oh no, wait a second, I didn't drop in the diabolo. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that was quite interesting. Then I went home. Polo went over to Aachen and did work there. Oh yeah, Luke has got a new hobby. What's like, that? Hurting children is in his shows. I haven't hurt children. Oh, yeah. In yeah, Lensburg. But l the Diablo more often gets into the crowd now. Yeah, it was very you're windy. You're getting a bit... No, 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 no. In general, you're getting a bit... Oh, I can do everything. No, in Lensburg, I did... There was... A, the Diablo did bounce and hit a girl in the face and she did cry. And it sort of, it sort of upset me quite a lot, actually, because I didn't know really what to do with it. I mean, how do I do that? Do I make jokes at the child's expense or do I... But she didn't go away and cry. She pretty much stayed the right at the very front of the, of the crowd and, and kept crying, which is... Uh, quite strange, but yeah, but her mum was fine. With yeah, it, and, uh, that was the most and at the end, thing. and at the end, she smiled, and I showed everyone she was smiling, and, and I think we got quite a large hat that show, mainly because I hit a small child in the face. So maybe there's a tip for you if that you want to do. That is why you do it every <laughs> time now. Yeah, hurt a small child, and uh, everyone will love and you then for make it. Make it smile again. Yeah. So anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, we got home and did stuff there, and then we um, came away, and now we're working again on a on a cruise ship, on a cruise ship called the Crystal Serenity. Which is very nice. Voted the, the 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 top cruise ship in the world, I think, by the the readers of some magazine. I don't know, Leisure and Life magazine or something. But they are right. Yeah, they're right. It is the most beautiful cruise ship ever. It's just absolutely fantastic. We Not go the into most it. Most beautiful cruise ship. It's the most. Beautiful, like from the inside. Yeah, yeah, the beauty's on the inside in this ship. Yeah, it's not in the outside. No, no, it doesn't look any different from any other cruise ship, but on the inside, oh, it's amazing. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we're on the ship and it's and it's really cool. We've got some shows tomorrow. This evening we saw a fantastic ventriloquist who happens to be the cruise director as well. Can't remember his name now. Was it Gary? Gary. Gary Hunter. Hunter. You got to come close. Gary to Hunter. Closer to the microphone. Um, and uh, yeah, he was amazing. And he, he does this really cool ventriloquist act and he actually makes you feel an emotional connection to the puppet. It's not just telling jokes. It is a lot of jokes, but he actually makes a, an emotional connection between this these two old couple that he has there as puppets on stage. And then afterwards, they, they said, do you want more? Yeah. And he got came back and said, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll show you some more stuff. Well, and I think the real important thing about ventriloquism and that I can do is actually to make this emotional connection and make you touch your heart and make you feel something for the puppet and he got out this dodo and he explained ventriloquism and again he did exactly the same thing again he really sort of took it right down at the end and made it really really emotional and touched us again it was amazing and he told us he was going to do it and he, he said, made me shit myself laughing yeah very very funny 
which is better because we actually on the last cruise that we did there was a ventriloquist and we walked out after about 10 minutes of his show because it was so bad and uh but this one was definitely definitely worth seeing uh so that's pretty much caught up with with our our news we'll get to some email feedback at the end of the podcast but we'd like to move on straight away now to um the main interview Pola, who have we got this week um, we have Gabby Keast from, is it Keast? Isn't Keast, it? yeah. Yeah, Keast from the Cascade magazine. And I think it's great because the people who went to the EJC and maybe were looking forward to hear his, her story uh, just before one of the open stages. I think it was a Thursday night open the, stage was dedicated Thursday to night. Cascade magazine, yeah. Yeah, and she she planned on telling the story but the microphone was just turned off so nobody could hear a word. But here, now, the real interview. Yeah, you'll get the full story of Gabby Keys and Cascade and, uh, and its history and maybe its future as well. So uh, without any further um, pauses, let's just move straight on. <laughs> so straight on. To, I couldn't think of anything clever to say there. So uh, straight on to the interview with Gabby. With us now is uh, our next special guest, uh, the editor and publisher of the Cascade magazine. It's Gabi Keast. Hi, hello. How do you pronounce the Cascade magazine? Cascade. Because some people, I've heard a lot of people call it Cascada. Yeah, depends. When I speak English, I say Cascade. If I speak German, I say Cascada. It's that simple? Yes. Okay, well, um, let's uh, let's do this because uh, we 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 we've all read the magazine. We all know, uh, you know, the, the the look of the magazine, the style. We want to actually know where the um, where the the idea and where Cascade comes from. So, Polo, have you got a question to start off? Uh, that is a question. Okay, maybe that's a question. <laughs> so maybe maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got first got involved with juggling or the juggling scene. Well, I think it was just a very much a coincidence that I learned to juggle at some theatre seminar and uh, brought it home uh, into the place I lived with a few people and said, look, this is what you can do with balls and they just didn't believe it. And they said, it's easy, you can learn it right away. Said, no, we can't. And of course, they all got hooked on it completely and that was it. <laughs> So there was a group of you living together and you all started juggling. Yeah, that's right. How long ago was that? Oh, when was that? 82? Count it back yourself. I don't know. I think it was 82. And, uh, and so you started juggling, but w were you involved in the juggling scene? Because the, um, the, the Cascade magazine is very much sort of involved with the European juggling convention. I mean, uh, was, was there any, th th what was the scene like then in, in Europe? Well, when, when I started, uh, I'd never seen anything like it before. I, of course, I'd been to circus as a child and probably come, kind of knew what a juggler was, but never thought about it. And uh, juggling scene was just nothing we ever heard of. And uh, Paul, the other half of Kissgate, uh, is, went to London because that's where he comes from but at that time we already lived in Germany so he went to London for a week and uh, went to Covent Garden and stumbled into one uh, the European juggling convention in London which was number five I think 
Yeah, because the first two were in Brighton or something like that. Yeah, something. I think I think it was must have been number five. And he came home and said, oh, you know what else you can do with juggling? You can pass these things and they're clubs and people are actually on unicycles. You know what that is? And that's how we sort of learned about the European scene, which was, I don't know, 50 people then. So it was completely by accident. You just happened to turn up in Covent Garden? Absolutely by accident in, uh, to get into the European Convention just as much as I learned to juggle by accident. Yeah. That's cool. Right. Okay, and, and who's Paul? Paul is my husband. And, uh, he comes from London and we met on the way when he uh, went back from here in, in Germany and I went to live in London for a while. So we met halfway in between, exactly. <laughs> But that's cool, that's fantastic. And he works with you on Cascade even today? Uh, yes, not so much anymore. At the beginning we did everything together, but now he earns the real money and just, just does what I asked him to do. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. So you, you learned to juggle, you knew there was a juggling scene, there was just the ju European convention at the time. So what, what made you think about doing um, a juggling magazine? Well, the next year uh, we went to the sixth uh, juggling, European Juggling Convention and um, really got into it like everybody who went to their first convention. And we had a friend, in, or somebody in Frankfurt, which is very close to Wiesbaden, where I live, um, said, oh, we have to organize the next one and talked us into a group of about 12 people or so. Said, Come on, we do it, we do it. We say, oh, we just sort of, you know, we don't know anybody. This is all new and what and why. And that sixth convention had about 200 people and we said, oh, it's so big and there's so much work. <laughs> okay, we do it. And so we said we organize it for the next year in Frankfurt, which then had twice as many people, 400, which we were absolutely overwhelmed with. And Paul and I, we were the contact address. We sort of... Um, did the registration as it is and, and people sort of send in to us by letter on the way for a few weeks from Australia or wherever um, sort of asked oh we want to come to the convention and we are such and such and we do this and that circus group at home and so they didn't just sort of send their address but they sent little stories about what they do we thought oh that's nice we should pass that on to people you know we should tell people about this and uh, Sat on a nice summer day on a very nice spot outside Wiesbaden on a bench and thought about it and worked it all out. Said, "Oh, well, let's do a magazine." And, and it was just—it was purely just because these like letters and stories and you know just the background. You just wanted to know a bit more about the background of people. Uh, no, they sort of offered it themselves. You know, we were. But that made you want to find out more about other people as well. No, we wanted to spread these things. We wanted to not keep it to ourselves, but say, oh, how can we pass this on to people? And then we had the idea to, uh, you know, Euro the European Convention was more or less the only convention happening at all it, during the year. It sort of slowly started that there was maybe one or two. When Denmark started in Germany, there was maybe one in between. And Cascade was supposed to be... A convention in between to a means of people keep in touch with each other. 
so just tell me a bit uh, about the, uh, the the first issue of the magazine because um, I noticed you've got the stand here and you've got on the background on the back of it you've got like the front a small printed version of the front cover of all of the magazines so far so just tell me a little bit about what what went into that first issue of Cascade magazine um, some of these stories that people sent us gave us the first idea and then we uh, sent out um, just requests for articles to a couple of people we knew, like Toby Philpott, who we knew had uh, been to the previous early conventions and knew a bit about it. So he he then wrote the story of the European juggling convention. This was the first convention review. Exactly. Now uh, the history. Already oh, the story. The story of it. Yeah, you know, history. And. Um, yeah, so people sent in and actually the two or three shops that were already there sent their advertisements and so that's how it started. And th was there any other juggling magazines at the time? Because I know there was like the Juggler's World magazine from the IJA. I mean, did, did, were you, did you look at any other magazines like that or was it just sort of just completely in isolation at, to begin with? Uh, we had Checklist World. We we knew about that one by then because uh, as soon as we heard about all this juggling and what's going on, we of course tried to get as much information as we could. And um, so yeah, we did we did kind of look at what they were doing and and so start uh, did it in a similar style. As but over the years, how has the style of the magazine changed? I mean, is it, has it been sort of quite a, a common, you know, look or through, you know, through line for, of, of the magazine? Um, or has the focus changed over the years? Uh, well, there are the two parts. There's the outside, the sort of layout and the things that, of course, change uh, partly by technical means. And there's the inside, actually, what's going into the magazine. And... Basically, I think it hasn't changed that much. The, the basic idea that people just tell their stories they've experienced on sent workshops and stuff like that is, is still there. What was much more, of course, with, the first, with that convention in Frankfurt, 400 people at the end of the weekend, you knew everybody. You knew, you had talked to them, you had passed with them, you knew their name. So everybody who read Cascade and subscribed to it uh, knew who was writing the article and they were sort of personally answering to this article and there was more letters going backwards and forwards where people actually sort of got into discussions about things a little bit and um, that was the whole scene growing of course dropped out a bit you know people at some stage actually started asking me, oh, are we allowed to send in articles for Cascade? Will you print them? We said, of course. It's, it's and that still, that still goes today, is it? If people send in articles, you'll print them? Of course, anything, yeah. That's, that's the main thing. It's, uh, people can send what they like and we try and edit it as little as possible. Uh, if it's, we try to put it into, um, readable English, if people from Brazil have tried to put something English together uh, or from any other country where they maybe don't speak so much English uh, or try and translate it, have somebody translate it from other languages if it doesn't work. Just let's talk a bit about the language. You, you've um, in the uh, magazine. It's it's printed in two languages, English and German, but not two different magazines. It's all in the same uh, magazine. W was that a decision that you made at the beginning, or is that something that's uh, uh, you know developed over the years? 
I think for the first 40 issues, 44 issues, I think, right, we had two different issues. We had in, uh, the German one and the English one. And at some stage we decided it was just too much, too expensive to print it twice, too expensive to have the layout twice and worked out a way to put it together and I think it worked quite well. Nobody complained. <laughs> uh, do you uh, do any other languages? Because I, I think at one point you did sort of like a, a French translation supplement. I mean, is that something that still happens? Uh, we've done that for quite some years actually. There, uh, there were a lot of uh, French jugglers who volunteered to do the translations and they've put a lot of work into to do that and but over the years it was always the same people and it was a lot to ask of them and for us it was a lot of work extra work to put in and say so the French have learned English so not so many people need the French translation so that's very nice of them too and uh, we've stopped doing that now but all the ones that we did are available on the internet. So whoever all the French, all the French uh, supplements, they're all there. They're all there as PDFs. So who wants to learn the French uh, juggling terms just has to download them and uh, learn French. Cool. So you say they've got the website. Is, what is the website for? Do you just use that as like to, for people to su subscribe to the magazine, or do you actually have any content online? No, not really. We just have it as a basic information thing to uh, get, of course, the subscription information and get, uh, I think it's a list of all the shops in there, there's a list of circus schools, list of juggling meetings, those kind of things, but basically it's information. And all the content is just kept in the magazine? Exactly, yeah. If people want to find out, like uh, a lot of the times in the magazine, especially in the workshops and things like that, will reference past articles, and those are available uh, if people want them as well. Do you, you have enough copies to, to keep sending out past articles? Uh, past issues, sorry? Um, for the German ones, it's a bit difficult. I think from number 30, 35 on, we might still have them. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. Uh, English, there's a few more, but we're thinking about slowly but surely putting them on the internet one by one if I ever get around to scan them and put them in a PDF. Because <laughs> I, I know that uh, a lot of the, the old uh, Jugglers World or the Jugglers Bulletin, the, the IJA publication, even before it was an IJA publication, that a lot of those are online now as well. And um, because the Catch magazine, the, the British uh, juggling magazine, there's, there's been an effort, I'm not sure how public it is, but there's been an effort of, of uh, sort of archiving quite a lot of those as well. Um, so maybe it's great. So you see, keep talking about different issues. How many issues have you, have you put out now? Well, the current one is number 87. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you count the first 40 double, because they're English to German, of course you can add them to that. And yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing sort of like archive of history. And of course, the workshops as well, there's a, there's a lot of that involved in there. Um, are there any like standout articles or standout like features that, you, you, that come to mind that you're especially proud of writing or editing or publishing? Not really, actually. Once I've done Cascade, it's sort of done, and I go on to the next one. Okay. Sort of, um, it, it all sort of merges in one. Then. Okay, so it's just a. Then a favorite convention. Uh, no, I thought about that, but um, 
I I can't really say that either because um, even though you sort of feel you come to a convention and you feel you like coming back home and it's the same people in this sort of same place but it's not you've changed it's it's a year's difference in between and uh, there are always other things that impress and new people and uh, a new way that I look at it so um, can these various conventions being good for different reasons so Again, I can't say which was my favorite. So have you been... Uh, probably the first one. Yeah, everyone's first big convention, yeah. Uh, so just, uh, have you been to all of the EJCs since the number six or seven or whatever it is? Uh, I missed one. I missed Bradford because I was too pregnant to get on, uh, on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I mean, there can't be that many people who have gone to, to, to this many, and I guess it's the, the cascade that has allowed you to, to keep doing that. Yes, that's a very nice part about it, that I can just travel around and go to these places and also meet a lot of very interesting people. It's really good that I... uh, That's partly due to... So, Sean Gandin is just running past and annoying... Juggling. It is a very special occasion, opportunity for me to share things that come freight uh, from soul of essence of humanity. This for me is juggling. Thank you. Thank you, Sergey. Um, so, <laughs> what? What? Yeah, yeah. All the all the way down the other end. So Sean Gandini interrupted the interview to ask where the toilet was in the most eloquent way that I've ever, ever heard. Where were we up to, Gabby? I don't know what we've been talking about now. Meeting interesting people. Oh, that was it. Yeah, yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly uh, an interesting character. Yeah, he's gone now, thank goodness. Um, so uh, uh, any other questions, Polo? You, 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 anything else that we want to talk to Gabby about? You completely caught me out now. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we've all just completely lost, lost our minds. Oh yes, so um, tell me a little bit about yourself. No, no, um, so, uh, I don't know. No, no, I'm just, no, I was just um, No, so the, uh, so Cascade, yeah, it's a um, great magazine. I, I write for Cascade. I hope you can cut this in between, you know. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll edit this down, or not. I don't know what would be more interesting. So, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I write, I've written a few articles uh, for, for Cascade. Did you have lots of regular people writing articles? Or is it mainly you and sort of guests? Uh, I try to write as little as possible because it would be very boring to just read my style all the time. And um, I prefer if other people write. So if I've got an article written, I would not print it if there wasn't the space and rather have somebody else's article in because I think that's much more variation and much more interesting to have other people's ideas in there. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm sure I'm going to keep writing for for Cascade for a while. Um, got some more ideas, which I need to talk to you about, actually. Um, so, uh, uh, well, if that's the end of the interview, any last comment that you want to share with the jugglers? Because this is what we always do on the podcast when we when we talk to people. We want like one final word um, to all the jugglers listening. Go for it. Oh dear, I have to think about that one. Keep coming to conventions, keep contributing to it, and don't put things up. I'm demanding shows. Okay, well, Gary, thank you very much. Very interesting interview about the, uh, the, the history and the story of Cascade. Oh, talking about the history, uh, the future of Cascade, how long do you think you're going to keep running the magazine? Oh, I'm very much a person who thinks about the, the day and the next months and maybe in the next two months. 
uh, getting out the next issue and then we see what's coming next. Well, I never thought I would do anything more than five years in a row. And how long have we been running now? Well, it's 23 years if I count rightly, so I think 25 would be nice and see what's coming then, but we've no promises, no. <laughs> but you still really enjoy it? Or is it more that you f have the feeling you have to do it because you have done it all the time? Uh, no, there's no feeling of have to do it. There's a bit of... Um, I mean, now writing another article about European Convention I find very difficult because... <laughs> what Something new to say. <laughs> what else to say, what need to say, so I'd much rather other people would do that and some people who have just been to one or two or three and can do it a bit more enthusiastic way and not so... Oh, I've seen that before. Um, but basically doing doing Cascade is fun. Cool. And one final question. I've never seen you juggle, um, I don't think. Uh, do you club pass? Yes. We should we should pass clubs sometime. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's too embarrassing because I, uh, uh, I absolutely did not keep up with any of the technical developments. <laughs> you just wrote about them? Yes. I mean, we... <laughs> Was it? I said, and she knows about them better than anyone else. Yeah, see, so I guess you've seen the development of so many skills over the years. Yes, I have. For the first 10 years of doing Cascade, we were actually, well, not quite 10 years, seven years, um, we were actually performing. Paul and I and a third person, we were performing um, gala shows and all that stuff. Varieties weren't really existent then. Um, so, yes, I could juggle at some stage, but then I stopped rehearsing, really, and doing more things. So I still teach children's circus and try to keep up with them, but not much more. Okay, well, thank you very much, Gerby. Uh, it's been a great interview. I've really enjoyed it. Okay, thanks. Wow, that was a good interview, wasn't it, Paula? Yes. You enjoyed listening to that one? Yeah. Cool. So uh, that was great. Any questions uh, about Gabby and Cascade, I'm sure you can email her or look at cascade.de, which is the website there, and look at the archives that she's starting to put up. So, uh, yeah, let's move straight actually, now on to some of the feedback that we got, some emails, because we, we, I love getting emails, so please keep sending in emails. Because um, that's why we do it, really. When because you people say "Hey" and we go "Woo!" and it's really great. So um, let's let's have a, just quickly have a look at these because I've got this. I've copied them all onto some notepads to get them onto the laptop. And there's loads and loads of ones here. One's from um, Joseph. Um, he sent us some video ideas, which is great. Ah, here's one from Torben. Is it oh yeah, what Torben? about our, our competition? Well, we didn't actually get that many emails in for the competition, so um, it's keep sending in the emails. Lots of people said juggling in space, which is great, but we've had like two emails now saying, hey, get people juggling in space as one of the juggling things. All we asked, asked you to do is uh, to send in your, your fantasy, not real, as some people thought, but a fantasy um, continuation of the Vision Bot manipulation series. So send in a prop, a juggler, and a location, and uh, win some DVDs. Any more, you know, sort of like updates on that, just check out podcast number 29 and for the uh, full details. Anyway, this was from a guy called Torben. Anyway, he, he says, um, 
stuff about the podcast. He says, allow me one question. Since the new podcast comes out regularly in pretty close intervals, I'm asking myself, how do you manage doing that? So frankly, what do you live on? Is it only performing? Are you doing some real work also? As we've said before, Polar works as a, a graphic designer and artist, and that's why we're taking three months off now for juggling together, um, pretty much until the end of the year for Polar to work on her artwork in Berlin. Yeah, but my real job is yeah. the graphic design. Yes, of course. And the art, but as you see, I don't have a lot of time for my art when I'm juggling. So that's why we've... we've but the we've graphic design job I do every month yeah. for a week. M one month every, in, unless we're traveling in Greece um, in the summer. So yeah, it's like, that's it. And he also says, can we also have... Do you have a real job, Luke? I have a real job. It's called <laughs> juggling. Uh, no, no, a real job. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's juggling. So that's good. Um, juggler. Yeah, <laughs> a juggler. Yeah, it was actually quite funny when when Polo and I first met, and I was really quite nervous about meeting Polo's parents because I was you know, what you know, we've you know got a new a new boyfriend, and it's like, well, what does he do for a living? He's a juggler. A juggler, you know, that was no, like the a, thing is they never said that. You no. made that yes, story I know, up it, it in was, your head. It was in my head that they would say a juggler, a juggler, and now we're um, when I was we're younger, both they always thought I would go to the circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so here you are. Yeah, here we yeah, are. Lucky. Yeah, so I'm on a cruise. <laughs> anyway, so there's another guy from uh, Vancouver, Canada, and he said he hasn't written in before, so we'd like to say he's enjoying the podcast. So he sends in some vision bot um, fantasy ideas, but also he says on a completely n different note, on one of your podcasts you said that somebody emailed saying that you should talk about your thoughts on practicing juggling, and he says, "Yep, yeah, I'd be really interested in that." So yeah, we will do this. Also, street performing for the first time would be extremely interested. And somebody else called. Sergio from, I think, South a South Africa? Yeah, South Africa. He, he says we're big fans. And uh, he says, want to know if you could be so kind as to share your thoughts on training techniques. So, yes, we will do this. So, um, we will, yeah, we will do a podcast on training and on street shows. So, um, uh, that's Joost saying street shows as well. What other feed feedback? Ah, yes, Malta from Germany uh, said he liked the juggling podcast. And he says, I love your chatting and stupid jokes beside all the juggling and talking. Who's doing stupid jokes? Nobody's just doing jokes. We, this is not a comedy podcast. It's an entertainment podcast. Anyway, he says, I'd also love it if you could put a video of the month in uh, you uh, and you have more possibilities. So he wants a video podcast with workshops, interviews, with photos. just want to see me strip. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly because someone else said that as well because Polar sometimes does. Actually, what are you wearing at the moment, Polar? Anyway, so uh, uh, someone, uh, his also a message from Yoast. Uh, no, by the way, Malta, we're not going to start doing video podcasts because it's too much work with this. Not with we'd have to get dressed. Yeah, and Polo would have to actually put some clothes on, and I'd have to like shave and look good and stuff. And here we can just plug the microphone into the laptop or into a into the mini disc recorder, and uh, and just go for it and talk and. Not, not actually script anything. Anyway, here's a good email from Joost. Um, he said he liked the podcast. This is an email actually that he sent to Polar. So if you want to send emails to Polar, send it to polarbrendler at yahoo.com or visit her website, polarbrendler.com. And it says, do you ever listen back to old podcasts, Polar? I, I don't, but I'm assuming it would underscore my perception that your contribution to the podcast keeps improving. Look, that's my private email. I know, but I thought it was good. Uh, Polar never <laughs> I listens... Can't no, 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 because he's just saying that he likes your contribution to the podcast and he thinks it keeps improving. Uh, but the question, do you ever listen back to old podcasts, Polar? The answer is that Polar actually doesn't even listen to the current podcast that I've put up. We often put out podcasts and Polar just never listens to them at all. So I just mentioned that. That's the reason why there are funny things in it and I don't cut them out or so. 
You what? always say, oh, yeah, Paula, I'll take that out. Yeah, I'll take yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah I'll, t- I'll cut I'm that out. I'm sure you don't. I, I rarely do. Um, <laughs> so uh, and this is a guy from Finland. This is actually quite a, a good email. I'll actually read it out a bit. He says, hi, Paula. Hi, Luke. Greetings from Finland. I'll try to back up this mail a bit first. He says, I'm a sixth form college student, really into juggling, but it seems like nobody else juggles in Finland. Honestly, junior high school kids had a Diablo boom a year or two ago. Everyone diaboling for two weeks during breaks uh, just because everyone else did it. And then they quit. And I've been juggling for about 20 months now, and I'm pretty sure I just won't be able to stop. I like it so much which is what we like to hear. He says, like I said, I don't have a club to go to. I don't meet fellow jugglers since I haven't, uh, I happen to lack such. So all I do is juggle at home or in the park and watch foreign jugglers on the internet. So he's the best juggler he knows. He's the best <laughs> juggler he knows. Anyway, he says, I can't even watch Finnish professional jugglers because I've never heard of one. He's never heard of Finnish professional jugglers. And uh, isn't Maxim Camaro? And Vilo Valo from Finland. So all I could say is get on to 531festival.net, which is the festival in Helsinki, which is in Finland. Um, hopefully I've got my uh, Scandinavian countries correct there. And then uh, ask for juggling clubs. Yeah, Those and uh, yeah, yeah there'll be juggling clubs. There'll be juggling clubs. But also get on the links page of 531festival.net because... That'll have links to all of the different Finnish jugglers' websites and all the jugglers that you could ever want to find in Finland. Also, 531 Festival this year. Hopefully, I'll be there. I've been asked to come along. I just need to book my plane tickets and uh, and I should be set up there. So I'm actually coming to Finland. So, what was your name? Tommy, don't worry. See if you can get to Helsinki on the, I think, the third weekend of October. It's like 19th, 20, 21 of, of October in Helsinki. You'll meet absolutely loads of Finnish jugglers. And the cool thing is, is that they're all completely, utterly bonkers. So, uh, what's that? My love is like music. Oh, yeah, you're just listening to the rest of the, looking at the rest of this email. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he says that because of this, he likes listening to the podcast because it's like a conversation with jugglers that he doesn't get to have normally. My love is like music. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I don't think we've got many. Well, there's actually quite a few other uh, emails yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's enough now as well. One person, Jim, asking if we can interview Steve Raggetts and Patrick Maguire, who work together at Cirque du Soleil. Maybe we could do that. I actually chat to Steve quite a lot online. Get onto the uh, jugglingdb.com chat room on the internet juggling database. Steve Raggetts is often in there as well. So maybe you could actually just go and chat to him yourself. So uh, yeah, I think that's about it. It's good to catch up with the, with the feedback. We've got some shows to do tomorrow and then, then we, we pretty much don't have any other shows planned, do we, together for this year? Yeah, October. Oh yeah, one in October in, in Hamburg. But uh, this is pretty much it. So I, hopefully we'll I get I took these... three months off. Yeah, we said that before. Polo's yeah. booked time off now to actually get more juggling, uh, not more juggling done, less juggling done. And also, <laughs> no juggling. And I've actually booked time off to practice at home, which is going well, actually, now that we've got the well, the studio cleared at home and we've got our own juggling studio. And yeah, it's been good. I, I, I broke my five-ring pancake record, which is now at about 58 catches of five-ring pancakes, which is, uh, which is really good and stuff. <laughs> What? I don't have anything to say about that. I, I'm just, I'm just really pleased that I got over, I got over fifty catches of five ring pancakes. Of course. 
<laughs> and it's just something that I've been practicing. And someone actually asked me, hey, you've got really good pancakes, five ring pancakes. How do you do it? And I said, well, go to a workshop with Sergey Ignatov. He can really, really help you with ring juggling technique because he is the ring juggling master. So that's my big tip for practicing five ring pancakes. Anyway, we've gone on long enough now. The podcast is getting up to about 40 minutes long. So that's about it. Keep sending in your emails. We love reading all of them. And if you actually ask an easy question, I'll often just bang off an email reply straight back to you and uh, and yeah so that's cool oh that's luke at juggler.net also email polar at polarbrendler dot no what is it polarbrendler at yahoo.com and and look at the the archives as well at lukeburridge.com there's a link to the juggling podcast right there at lukeburridge.com so that's it that's juggling podcast number 31 juggling podcast number 32 hopefully coming um in the next week that's it see you later see you later what no that's it that's that's the end that's the end of it peace stop it and pause and stop <laughs> <laughs>